Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Tuberfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. Today, I have the wonderful pleasure of welcoming Justine Bloom to the Holistic Marketing Podcast. Justine is a 20-year veteran of marketing and advertising who at one point in her amazing career worked for VaynerX under Gary Vaynerchuk. What I love about you, Justine, is that you are also a certified meditation teacher and are now focused on helping solopreneurs root into heart-centered and conscious digital communications. So welcome, Justine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Me too. (laughs) Well, I'd love for you to start and kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what your mission is. Yeah, sure. I, um, as you said, have spent the first 20 years of my career in media, marketing, advertising agencies, uh, and more recently have really pivoted to use that same energy, but in a more 5D way. So my mission, I believe, is uh, to encourage more embodied leaders Uh, to step up to the plate and really uh, help us create this new paradigm that I feel like we we all recognize is coming and it needs to be imagined and dreamed up and turned into a reality. And I think it's going to take 5D or embodied leaders uh, to really show the world what it can achieve without necessarily needing to hustle and strive and you know, second guess ourselves, we can absolutely be ourselves and support other people to be themselves and the world will be better for it. That's the the vision and mission that I have. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I'd love for you to maybe kind of dive into that a little bit more and kind of talk about what is what is an embodied leader? What does that look like? Yeah, I think for me, um, because this has been my own journey, right? I started my career in highly masculine energy workplaces. Um, And I think that's the story for a lot of people, a lot of women my age, where we really had to adapt to the very masculine energy of the workplace. And we kind of set aside the um, aspects of ourself that are still... um, still incredibly powerful and potent in a leadership position and in the workplace, but just because of the the way society has um, constructed the workplace for a very long time, it has um, it's not been present. And over the course of my career, increasingly you are seeing um, women being empowered and women, women being liberated and that feminine energy as a result, not just in women but also in men, really starting to seep into uh, all aspects of life and the workplace. And so part of that is embodiment to me is heart and head. And so much of our careers and our workplaces have been very head focused. You know, what society and the workplace has rewarded is 
having answers quickly, um, being creative in a very short period of time, hustle, striving, achievement, uh, not necessarily the well-being of the whole self. And as I have matured and become more at peace with who I am and embraced the fact that, you know, there are feminine and masculine aspects to who I am and how I lead, when I have integrated those two things, I have just been an infinitely better leader, um, more creative. I have been able to uh, respond versus react in a situation. I've been able to slow down and really check in with the creative reserves that I have that aren't coming from my mind. They, you know, they come from all kinds of different places and it requires you to be in your body to be aware of them. And that to me, I mean, embodiment really is about, you know, it's, it's the feeling of being in your body in the present moment and not just in your mind and caught up with the thoughts, but being fully aware of all of the sensations available to you. And so to me, embodied leadership, it is the embracing of both the masculine and the feminine. Uh, it is the integration of that in the way that we help people to feel like they belong in the workplace as themselves to strip away some of the inherent competition that lies in the workplace and um, and recognize that everybody has their own zone of genius. And when we when we lean into people's strengths rather than asking them to fit a particular job description and work on their weaknesses so that they can be like everybody else, you know, that's factory mentality. And it really diminishes and dismisses our inherent creativity as human beings. That's the magic that I've seen come to life when I've embraced the diversity and uniqueness of every single person who I have worked with. And I've seen the team thrive as a result, not just the individual. That's a very rambling uh, answer to your message. <laughs> but I hope that kind of explains what I mean by embodiment is, is heart-led, I believe. It's, it's not just a logical, rational way of leading. Yes. I mean, I resonate with so much of that. And I love this idea of bringing the heart and mind together and I've definitely been caught up in previous jobs or even my own perception of what work was supposed to look like. And it is can be very head driven and very, you know, like you said, it's very reactionary, especially in the marketing world. I feel like, especially in an agency setting, which was kind of my previous role before I started my company, was we were constantly reacting to everything. And it did feel like a factory mentality of just like getting things out the door, getting the results. And it was so exhausting and I was so burnt out and I didn't feel like I could be creative, which was one of the reasons I went into marketing was to have that creativity to think about messaging and visual representation. But like all of that creativity got sucked out of it because we were constantly moving so quickly. And I have found too, it's like there's been an unlearning for me to really look at what does it mean to incorporate the head and the heart, especially in business. And I think it's taken me years to start to unlearn that it doesn't all happen from your head. And there's almost this in the slowing down, you're able to propel forward. And I think that's something that can be so powerful when you learn kind of how to have that balance. And again, like you said, lean into 
your own strengths, but also nurture those of the people around you. Absolutely. I so identify with how you describe agency life. It's incredibly reactive. Uh, And I almost treated my last couple of agency gigs like a big experiment. (laughs) You know, I was developing teams uh, in, in such a way that I was trying to shield them from that and create space for them to have uh, longer lead times, the ability to really get get away from their computer, to think in environments and in situations that would allow them to be original, to bring their whole self to their job. And yeah, it, I honestly felt like I was I was the shield mm-hmm. <laughs> around my team so often to create that space for them. Uh, ultimately, you know, changing agencies is going to take more than just one woman um, or even a, a small group of people. And so that's also why I left and why I have really started to focus on the individual and think about if we can empower enough individuals, and I talk about solopreneurs, but I think that there are intrapreneurs who are operating in that same solopreneur capacity inside corporates that, because I was one of them, and, mm-hmm. and I know that they are seeking this kind of support and this kind of dialogue so that they can continue to bring that into their workplaces. And just like everything we're seeing in society at the moment, these changes are going to come from a grassroots level. They will not come from the top because the top it's working for the top. They are getting the material wealth and success from it being this way. And so it's really going to take an uprising from the people who are exhausted and are feeling like they can't be as creative as what their full potential allows them to be. Uh, It's going to take all of them really bringing a different behavior into their work every day for it to change. Yes, I love thinking about that from a grassroots level, because I think sometimes we're so often looking for the people that are managing us or the people ahead of us to kind of tell us what to do. Um, And so I'm curious if you, I know you talked about kind of creating the shield environment in your last roles, but if someone is listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I really resonate with this. I want to be part of this. How would someone that's maybe in that traditional agency model, like what's a small step they could take to kind of start to really act as an embodied leader within a workplace that may be moving at light speed? I love this question. For me, it is... uh... Asking for what you need in such a way that is, um, this will sound a little bit harsh, but in such a way that it um, it is demonstrating that in order to get the best work from you, this is what you need. So often, and I've seen both, I've seen people come into my office in previous roles where they would say, I'm feeling this, this, and this, and I... I'm just at a breaking point and I can't do this anymore and I need a vacation. (laughs) They just like want to just escape. And they think that that reset is going to be, is going to be the change, but to create the systemic change, you actually need to ask for what you need in the day to day. Um, So, I mean, the people that I worked with, they had the benefit that I had already recognized this. So I was advocating for them, but if you don't have a leader who knows this already, 
going in and saying, look, I don't do my best work when I'm sitting at my desk in an open plan office. I do my best work when I'm in a quiet space or when I have my headphones in and I have no distractions or when I'm sitting in a busy cafe and there is some white noise, hustle and bustle around me, but not actually a distraction. You know, whatever it is that most fills you up and gets you into that flow state that we know we all need to get to that creative place and to really um, bring our best selves into our work. You need to be able to advocate for yourself for what you need for that. Now, I think that requires on the leader's behalf to honor the fact that not everybody is the same. Just taking a very simple um point of view on this you know just take the extrovert introvert perspective and it and it is a spectrum I would honor the fact that most of the extroverts in my team they did their best work when in dialogue with other people you know that it was the bouncing off of other people it was being in brainstorms it was being around conversation that would often bring their best ideas forth but the introverts They needed time away, space, quiet time, alone time in order to tap in to their reservoirs of creativity. And so if you're not aware of that, that's a very simple construct that is easy to understand for most people. But if you aren't aware of that and you aren't honoring that in your people, you are constantly mixing those extroverts and introverts and the introverts lose most of the time. (laughs) And... Mm -hmm. And the extroverts are, you know, they tend to start judging their colleagues in a way that's slightly unfair and that creates division within the team. So that's a really simple example of first things first, get to know yourself, get to know what when you do your best work, what it is about your personality, what it is about your work style. And by the way, there are so many online tests that you can do to figure this out. There's 16personalities.com. There's the four tendencies quiz from Gretchen Rubin. You can get your astrological chart done. You can learn about your human design, like do all of those things or some of those things and really get to know yourself and how you operate as your best self. And then really it's about having uncomfortable conversations and hopefully they're not uncomfortable. Hope you, hopefully you have an amazing boss who's going to want to advocate for you. But even if you don't, like you have to advocate for you. Like no one else is going to ask for it for you. I hope that answers for some people. No, that was such a wonderful answer. And I think for me, when I was young in my career, it was hard for me to ask for what I needed because I think I was still learning what I needed. I mean, I've always been an introvert, but there was this expectation in the workplace that you need to be outgoing and like be present and pushing and the hustling. And so I think I tried to mold myself into that, which really just separated myself further from who I am. And so there is definitely a learning period. And sometimes you have to learn what doesn't work for you to figure out what does learn for you or works for you. But I love that you brought up those tools too, because I think there's so many great ways, even as a team for everyone to take some of those personality tests or just understand more about how other people work so that you can kind of, again, speak to people's strengths and really build a team that understands each other and understands themselves. 
Yeah. And you raise a really good point. You know, I, I mentioned those tools for the individual to get to know themselves because I too am an introvert and I went through that same trajectory you went through. (laughs) Uh, And these were some of the tools that really helped me. But as a leader, as I grew in my career, I used these tools to get to know my team. So I also really encourage leaders who might be listening to this to go find those tools and take the time out to really get to know the people that work for you on a less work basis. Like, you know, take the take the the work away for a moment and really just get to know them. And this was how I managed to build teams that that could thrive in their own uniqueness. And I, I would often have people outside of my team in the agency say to me, why is your team so happy? Why do you have such a great culture in your team? And it's because we actually took that time to get to know one another. We had um, user manuals for each other. So it was a really simple questionnaire that asked questions like, what does it look like when I need help? Because everybody reacts differently when they need help. Some people retreat into their shell. Other people like slam their fists about it and everything in between. And what does it look like when I disagree? Because for some people, conflict is really difficult and disagreeing feels like conflict. For other people, their creativity thrives when they're in a debate. So until you know that about each other, you can completely misread your colleague or even your boss and know how to get the best out of each other. So it's, it, it really is just like, let's bring the humanity back into the workplace. The output is so much better when we are clear on the human beings creating it. Oh, God, that was so beautiful. I love that. Having user manuals for the individuals, I think that is such a key takeaway. I mean, how many jobs really spend the time doing that? They spend all the time on like procedure manuals, but really understanding how other people react. And I mean, for me, confrontation's always been something that feels very threatening. And so to know that some people need that to be creative, you know, that would never have been explained to me before. And so it is very interesting when you can kind of really dive into how other people perceive the world and the work and and know that there's not necessarily a right or wrong way. It's just that there's different approaches and the power and understanding that is when, like you said, the output can just be so powerful and so much better. Yeah, completely. I, I am one of those people who loves a debate. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and just to tell a little anecdote and particularly, um, you know, how to advocate for yourself. When I first had my interview with Gary Vaynerchuk, And, you know, I only really knew him through his online persona and I had, you know, I was a bit wary, to be honest, in my interview, Mm -hmm. but through the course (laughs) of my interview, I were, I was, um, I felt very heard and very listened to. He's, he's an incredible listener and that doesn't come through in his online personality. Not at all. (laughs) Um, so what was really interesting is, you know, at the end of, towards the end of the interview when we, were, when we were chatting, he said to me, he asked me a question, I can't remember it exactly, but it was like, what do I most need to know about you? And I said, 
you know, I don't know you very well, but my impression of you is that you are very opinionated and you have your way of doing things. And I said, I, I need the debate. I am not always going to agree with you. And I need to know that you're going to be open to the debate because if I can't have that debate, I am going to suck at this job and I'm going to be miserable. And so that was like in the interview and like that interview could have like stopped right there. He could have been like, yep, bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, but he didn't. And because, and it's not like, it's not like he was relaxed as I was saying this. I saw him visibly tense as I said, said this, but he was up for the challenge of saying, okay, this person wants to have a dialogue with me about my ideas. And that then really paved the way for us to have the kind of working relationship where I did question his ideas and together we would push and pull at them and they would become better as a result of the push and pull. But it was the initial frame up that created the space for that to happen. If I hadn't have said that in the beginning and I just started questioning him, those conversations would have gone very differently. Yeah, that's such a powerful illustration of what you're saying. And I love the idea of calling it a debate too and kind of more of a dialogue versus it just being, yeah, two people going at each other and like trying to push their ideas on the other person. It really is being collaborative and having that dialogue and yeah, the idea of the push and the pull. And I'm glad to hear that Gary is very open to that. I mean, his online persona is very much so like in the hustle you do this, you do that, you do this. And while his content is very valuable, especially around some of the marketing, I do find that for me, it's kind of like, it just feels so intense and it doesn't have that like flow mentality to it. Yeah. He does that very deliberately. (laughs) Yeah. I can, I understand. (laughs) He's very smart when it comes to marketing. He is. Yes. Well, I'd love to maybe kind of think about, you know, as we're you know, I think so many of us are very heart-centered leaders and solopreneurs and thinking about, we obviously have a, a purpose behind our business or our careers and have an impact we want to have on the world. And so even kind of coming off of the agency conversation, how do we really stay connected to our own purpose while kind of being in the thick of the details of running our business or working with teams in our career? Yeah, it's a really great question and one that has taken me most of my career to figure out. <laughs> yeah, uh, that but, makes sense. <laughs> um, look, for me, and I'm going to speak from personal experience, I think everybody will find their own way. But I, I'm going to speak particularly to women right now because I think women are the um, – We have been more adversely affected because we have been, as you pointed out earlier, more required to lean into aspects of our personality, like our masculine energy or being extroverted when we're introverted in order to progress in the workplace. And so bringing us back to ourselves, I'm so passionate about, and I think women can teach men this as well, because men have this ability to lean into their feminine as well. Mm-hmm. So my answer to this is um, is mindfulness rituals. And whatever those rituals are for you, for me, it's meditation 
it's journaling, it is uh, a regular lunar practice. There are, and this sounds very woo, I really combine the woo and the work now. And when I started doing that, everything changed in my career. It started when I first moved to New York, which was um, in at the end of 2014. And I was suddenly thrust into an environment that was so fast and offered me no time to just sit and think. And I was so used to being paid to just sit and think because that I was a strategist, you know, that's what I was paid to do. And without that, I really suffered in my job. I lost even who I was as, as the attachment to my thoughts. And so I started really taking my meditation practice seriously and I brought journaling into the workplace. And it's a funny story because ultimately it meant that if I was writing in my journal, even though it was me being really mindful and I was thinking, people didn't ask me what I was doing. But if I was staring out the window thinking, people would be like, what are you doing? Interesting. Yes. <laughs> so um, look productive, right? Had to look productive. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But ultimately that then opened this doorway for me where integrating all of these practices that I had in my personal life into my career and into my work life allowed me to be far more me in the workplace. I was far more constantly aware and aligned to what my purpose and my impact could be, not just outside of work, but in the workplace. So I'm a huge advocate for bringing these kinds of practices, not in a stress relief way, because I think at the moment meditation shows up in the workplace as, oh, when you feel stressed, go to this sleep pod or go to this meditation room and have a timeout. But rather, this is a fundamental tool for you to bring your best self to remain on purpose and intentional about the work you create uh it can be just as important as the device that you are tapping on to put create the output so uh, yeah as a result you know i became a meditation teacher so that i could teach this I have created a journal so that people can journal. I've created two now um, journals that can help people both in the workplace or with their meditation practice. Uh, And for solopreneurs, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated at this notion of bringing the ritual into the way that we nurture our businesses. And that is, that's my new baby like that for 2020. That's what I'm crafting is to work with solopreneurs about how these rituals and this these self-care tools can actually be part of how your business grows. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. I think that's something that I have been very intentional about in my own life over the last few years. I think again when you start, you know, a business or as an entrepreneur, it's easy to be like in the over hustle mode. And I think that's also celebrated. It's like, you're not a real entrepreneur unless you're working 12 hours a day and only sleeping four hours. And I think that's got to be like a myth that needs to be kind of called out. Um, I think for me, having my own rituals, both like in the morning and the evening has been so helpful and even paying attention to the moon cycles and And really, I love your idea of using mindfulness as almost a preventative tool. And it's not something like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I need to meditate. 
but by slowly integrating that as a way to maybe start your day can really help set you up for more success and allow you to be very intentional and mindful about what you need to do, but also where you're going and what you're building. And I think it does really help keep you connected to your purpose, but also to your whole self. You know, as solopreneurs, we are ourselves in our business and being able to have that full integration, I think is so powerful. And it's often what people are gravitating towards to work with you too. It's because they want to know who you are as a person, just as much as the results you can help them achieve. Absolutely. As solopreneurs, the frequency we are emitting is what attracts people to us. And the business is the vehicle through which people can engage. So it's so important for solopreneurs to be in a high frequency that is their truest self because it's exhausting to keep up a facade. Let's be honest. Like if you're trying to be something you're not, it's just exhausting. Who has got time for that anymore? Yeah, not at all. And I think that leads to burnout too. And so it's just, it becomes almost this like vicious cycle. Yeah. And I think, you know, to a point that you just raised, the the first journal that I created was about bringing mindfulness into the workplace. And I did wind it up when we hit COVID, when everybody went into isolation, because I was like, oh, this, you know, this mission that I had about helping people to slow down in the workplace and not hustle so much so that they can tap into this creativity. We are all getting a big global lesson right now on the power of slowing down, the power of the pause and the way that I have seen people embracing this in their business is giving me so much hope for this is the disruption that you just mentioned that we need to get out of hustle culture and stop celebrating it and start celebrating being in receivership and not not feeling like you have to physically go out and get the thing that you need. You can you can be in alignment, create the frequency that allows it to come to you. Yes. Oh my gosh, I know. I think that's definitely one of the, the biggest silver linings to COVID is just having this global slowdown, like you said, and just allowing people to pause. And it's almost like we get to kind of trim the fat in a sense of all the things that maybe were a little unnecessary or we were chasing that maybe don't have much meaning to us anymore. And so it, it is allowing us to, again, align with who we are, if people are taking this invitation to really reflect, I think it is allowing people to align more in their their personal lives and also in business to, you know, really nurture themselves fully and the people around them. And so I'd love to kind of tap into this idea of the energy and attracting people. I think this is one of the things that I love the most because I fully believe in it. And But I do find myself sometimes getting a little caught up in business and not trusting that it's going to happen in business all the time. And then I am fully embodying who I am, my message, but then the right people are going to see that. So I'd love to maybe take a little bit of a marketing lens on that. And I know you talk a lot about magnetic marketing and kind of what does that mean and how do we really kind of vibrate in a way while also taking action that attracts the right people to us? Yeah. Wow. I love this question. And, you know, what you just said there about sometimes you find yourself slipping out of that, that's all part of the unlearning, right? Let's not beat ourselves up about the fact that we've had years of programming. Right. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) 
have a little self compassion and grace. Exactly. Self compassion. And, you know, but how, how much time elapses before you notice that now? You know, is it short? It can be really short. Yeah. I mean, I think for in the beginning, it would be maybe like weeks at a time. And now it's like, it'll be within a few minutes where I'm like, okay. (laughs) Exactly. And coming up. Yeah. That's, you know, I like to honor the progress that we're making because I think our society has kind of groomed us to beat ourselves up when we aren't perfect. And it's just impossible to be perfect all the time. In fact, right. ever. But <laughs> so, so I, yeah, that self-compassion is so crucial. And so I, I like to kind of give myself a little pat on the back when that happens, where I'm like, oh, I noticed really quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yes. So, yeah, so magnetic marketing. Uh, again, after years of working with clients and working with businesses in that real hustle mentality, like you've got to jump through all of these hoops to make all of these things happen. It was when I became my own boss for the first time. Um, I had an agency in Australia and it was a as a disruptive model. Everybody was freelance and we were more of a collective than we were an agency. And it was, um, I initially freaked out, you know, I hustled like you would not believe I was uh, barely sleeping for the first year. And I went after everything that I possibly could. I, it was, it was a total disaster because I was miserable and I, I was convinced I couldn't do this and, you know, it was bad. Mm -hmm. I then went on a meditation retreat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And what I found is that the more I let go, uh, the more things just came to me. Now, way back then, I didn't, I, I thought I knew how to let go. Now reflecting on it, like what I was doing was like such minor leagues of letting go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the, um, the real lessons have come for me, particularly in the last few years, where spending the time really checking in with myself, becoming embodied, dropping into my heart, honoring that when I'm in a higher vibration and a higher frequency, I feel better. It wasn't even really my intention for that to then start attracting things to me, it, but it did. And even when I couldn't work, like last year I had this period of time where I couldn't work because my visa was getting changed over and it hadn't arrived yet. And it was a, it was a masterclass in surrender. Mm. And I cannot tell you how many opportunities came my way during that time. And it was almost the universe saying to me, look, you don't have to do anything <laughs> like you could be sitting here completely unable to work and I'm still going to be throwing opportunities at you. You just haven't noticed because you've been so busy keeping yourself busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that changed the game for me and really opened up this doorway for me to think about marketing in a completely new way to bring those tools of meditation, of journaling, of rituals that align your align you to your heart and have you operate from a place where if I just take care of my frequency, everything else will work itself out. And 
I've been living that and I'm now teaching people how to live that and seeing huge breakthroughs and, you know, not necessarily always um, monetary breakthroughs straight away because I think that's how the old paradigm has taught us that's what a breakthrough is. Oh, I'm suddenly at this huge windfall. But the just yesterday I was on a call with, um, you know, someone who had taken my course and she was saying, I have so much joy in my business now. <laughs> like she was just on a high, on a high vibe every day and had taken a lot of that pressure off, it, off of herself. And as a result, opportunities, people, new clients were coming her way. And she wasn't, they weren't like coming into her field of vision and she wasn't like grabbing onto them for dear life. Like, oh, this is the opportunity. I better hold on to it for dear life. Nope, she's just gently holding it in her open palm, letting it be what it is, allowing it to unfold. And that I think is, it's such a different mode of being. It's such a different way of thinking about marketing that, uh, yeah, it does take a unique discipline. It does start with you. I think so often we have been taught as marketers that we start with the consumer. So we start with our avatar or our portrait or a persona or whatever you want to call it. I do that second now. So first I'm all about you. Like let's get you in alignment. What is your uniqueness? What is your purpose? Your why? And here's the tools to really get at that. Not just sit there with a a a template of boxes to fill in and think about it intellectually like really drop into your body, drop into your heart, do this meditation that allows you to unlock that and then allow it to simmer. And it's uncomfortable. I'm not going to say that this is an easy process because it's not. But going back to what you said earlier, you know, society has taught us from school onwards that the person who has the answer first wins. Yeah. <laughs> And what I'm <laughs> saying true. is, no, like you need to deprogram from that and be okay with the fact that the answer, answer will appear when you completely surrender to it appearing. And yes. I love that's that. really difficult for people really to get difficult. hold of. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, very difficult. And yeah, we're very much aligned there. Even in my course, I start with digging deep into the purpose and the why before you turn your attention to the customer, because again, you need to know exactly how you're showing up for that customer and they need to understand that as well. Um, but I love what you were talking about really in the letting go and the surrendering. And I think right now I've been very intentional about trying to strengthen my surrender muscle, if you will. And it's so interesting, like just kind of getting curious about myself and how I, I work in those moments when I do surrender and let go. It's amazing what is able to flow in and kind of there's this expansiveness and there is a lot of joy in that space. But I've noticed I have this pattern of then kind of panicking a few weeks later because, yeah, maybe the money didn't flood in like I wanted it to. And I love your point there about we were kind of trained to think that there's going to be a windfall when we let go. And so I almost find myself kind of in this like expansive state and then this contracting space and then expansive and contracting. And so for me, I'm getting really intentional about 
not judging myself, but allowing myself just to see that pattern and see if I can't right now even shrink those time periods that I'm feeling more contracted, or maybe it is stepping away and doing more meditation and journaling as well. So I think it's it's so important, again, like when you can establish these rituals, like you were saying, it helps to kind of anchor you and, and again in yourself, but also in your purpose. And then I think from there, that's really when that next step appears, it either in a form of surrendering or maybe there is an action step to be taking. Yeah, and and I'm sure you've seen this in in the people taking your course as well. But once you do that and you do turn your attention to your muse or who your customer is, your perspective changes on who it is you want to attract. Yes. Because when we are operating from our intellectual selves, you are looking at market dynamics and where's the biggest slice of the pie and all of these things that aren't very soulful at all. Mm-hmm. But rather you come from a place of this is my lived experience and this is how my business can help other people with that same lived experience or or versions of it. And it's so much easier to attract those people. You don't have to convince anyone because they see themselves reflected in you and they're like, wow, if she can do it, then I, I knew what she's having. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that I think is so powerful and it is easeful and joyful and effortless because you just get to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't There's like so to be paid for being themselves? Yes, I know. <laughs> that is the real dream right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, it is going to take a paradigm shift, but I'm here for it. You know, I'm, I don't mind if it's only a small number of people right now. I don't mind if people come to my landing page and they're like, what, what is she on? Like, (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, the people that are showing up right now, I have attracted absolutely the people that I know are ready for this kind of work and this kind of message and to be part of the, the groundswell that I know is coming. Yes. I love that. I'm very here for it as well. (laughs) And I think that's an interesting kind of segue in thinking about the future. And, you know, I write about and talk a lot about conscious capitalism as well, which is thinking about the triple bottom line of people, profit and planet. And so it's kind of building businesses with bigger purpose. I mean, obviously we need money to keep the lights on and to pay employees and pay taxes, but you know, once we've kind of achieved those, like what is the greater reason the business exists and how are you giving back to your communities or how are you even nurturing your employees? Like we were talking about earlier, like, are you setting up these systems that really allow them to thrive? And so I'm curious if you have any other thoughts on kind of the future and and how we really, I guess, help shift this paradigm. Yeah, I... I love that we've already talked about the fact that I love a debate because I've now framed that up and (laughs) I'm going to debate this notion of conscious capitalism. Okay, Um, let's do it. (laughs) Because like five years ago, I would have been like, yes, absolutely, totally on board. I, particularly in the current climate, feel 
it, it, it almost needs a rebrand, the notion of conscious capitalism, because it sounds like an iteration on the system we've had for so long that has brought us to this mess, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not debating that people, planet, and profit are important. The prioritization, I think, needs a drastic rethink. And I think the the profit for me uh, has been has been so honored and so prioritized over everything else for so long. Just like the pendulum swing that we're seeing right now in the pandemic and the isolation and the lockdowns, just like the pendulum swinging that we're seeing at the moment in BLM, in the political landscape, you know, we've gone into a, an incredibly divisive um, state of being over the last several years because we ha- we're ready to like split this thing apart and create something new. And so part of me, I feel like conscious capitalism is short-term thinking. It's like human beings and our innate need to grab at control and solution and know what's ahead and not lean into the uncertainty. And so it's definitely going to be better than what we have right now, but I am, I'm probably trying to dream bigger than that and, and try and say, look, what if we imagined a future where money was not as important as how people are treated and how the planet is treated. Like what if we prioritized those things? What could be possible? What would society look like? What would structures look like? What would work look like? You know, I I am really comfortable in that uncertainty and not having the answers. I think that's why I've been a good strategist in my career. And so I'm currently in that zone of just question everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let like let's dream a bigger dream kind of thing um so i know it doesn't offer immediate answers and i think conscious capitalism does have an existing framework that can, people can try and get their head around and say okay how can i be doing better i just hope that there's like 20 percent of everybody who wants to dream a bigger dream And this comes, honestly, like innovation is in my DNA. It's why I ran innovation at a number of different agencies because I like being the disruptive one to say, well, what if, what if we don't just have to iterate? What if we could just like tear the whole thing down and start again? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What if we could create something that's never existed before? And I think that is the opportunity that 2020 is giving us. It is it is the light at the end of the tunnel. I know that people are going through really tough times right now and it's very difficult for a lot of us. And I don't want to diminish that. I think we also need to balance that with some hope. Otherwise, this is it's going to destroy us. And I don't think the humans and society needs to be destroyed by 2020. So I want to carve out in the minds of everybody, like 20% of them, who want to dream a bigger dream and want to maybe think about what what business could be like if it was different. And I'm seeing little signals for this. So so it doesn't just sound like I'm being super woo and airy fairy. Um, 
I'm seeing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I Let me bring it down to earth for a minute. I am seeing little signals for this right now. I'm seeing a lot of people change the way they structure their payments to be a, a pay what you can type structure. Now, the capitalist programming in me is like, oh, that will never work because people will just do the bare minimum. But what I'm seeing is because of everything that's going on in the world right now and people's consciousness is, the consciousness of the planet is raising. It's the, there is more light on the planet now than ever before. The shadows are being seen and I think that consciousness means that now is the time for us to be experimenting with that. So I have been so curious for the people that have been doing this. I've been reaching out to them. I'm like, hey, I'm really curious. Like, how is this going for you? Is everyone just paying like the bare minimum? And they're like, no. Like people with resources are coming in and saying, I want to get this at this top rate. Oh, and can I buy it for someone else? So they're mm. gifting it forward. And I'm like, oh, this is so incredible. Like redistribution of wealth right now is so interesting to me. And it it is coupled with consciousness. And I think that, uh, yeah, I just hope that we, we don't just stick to a framework that is already in existence. I kind of want to create a new one. Yes. Well, I don't think there's much to debate there. <laughs> I think I'm absolutely with you and kind of dreaming bigger. And I, I love that. I think for me, conscious capitalism is a tool to kind of help shift that such a solid capitalist mentality, like one step in the direction of where we want to go. Because I think, you know, like you said, there's kind of this pendulum and it's hard for people to go from one extreme to another. And so for me, conscious capitalism is like a tool just to take that one step in the right direction. And then, like you said, we've got this group of people who are like, let's go bigger. Let's think bigger. Like, how can we really shift the change and create a new system? So I'm 100% with you. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I mean, the the lessons from conscious capitalism can be applied for sure. Uh, I just hope we don't settle on that being the new paradigm too quickly. Right, right. That makes sense. Thanks for indulging my rant. <laughs> yes, no, it was a wonderful rant. <laughs> yes, and I just love how well you just embody like the woo-woo and the business because I think, I mean, that's who I am too and I, I think it's so important and I know people call it woo-woo but I think like most of our discussion, like when you kind of lean into that, it really does root you into being a whole person, but then also really creating more value in the world. I agree. I'm looking forward to the day where we don't have the labels of, you know, masculine or feminine or uh, woo-woo or rational. Or it's, it's just like we're just being. Right. Like when we're all integrated and we're just being ourselves. How good will that be? Oh, that'll be wonderful. <laughs> I look forward to that day as well. Likewise. Well, before I ask my last question, I would love for you to tell listeners where they can connect with you online. And I would love for you to even talk a little bit about the new journal you just came out with as well. Sure. Uh, everyone can find me Justine Bloom with an E uh, dot com or Justine Bloom on most social platforms. 
my journal is called Bloom without an E on the end. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a partnership with um, Baron Fig, my favorite makers of journals and tools for thinkers. Um, I've been a journaler, you know, since my teens. And when I found their journals, I was just in love. Like they are so beautifully made, beautifully constructed, well considered. And so to be able to partner with them is a little bit of a dream come true. And this meditation journal is, it is the way I have journaled with my meditation for the longest time. And it is a way of helping translate what comes through with our eyes closed into uh, the way it shows up for us in our eyes open state, which has a couple of different benefits. You know, it can help you creatively, but it can also just help you stay motivated to keep a practice and to make it a daily habit because it's got some uh, a tracker in there and you can actually chart certain quantitative information that allows you to see your progress and I don't want to use the word gamify because it's not gamified, but it's, we just know as human beings, that little dopamine hit that we get when we check a box or when we see progress, you know, we just stay motivated to keep doing it. And if this empowers more people to meditate more often, I think the world will be better for it. Yes. That's so wonderful. I love that. And I will definitely include all of those links and the link to the journal in the show notes as well. Thank you. Yeah, so I asked all my guests this question and I love getting the answers. So I'm going to ask you as well, you know, how does being intentional show up in your life and business? Yeah, I I think we've talked a lot about this. For me, the intention starts every morning when I ask myself a very simple question, which is how do I want to feel today? And I then follow that up with a question of, well, how am I feeling now? (laughs) Mm, Yeah, that's powerful. Because starting with that intention of how I want to feel today and giving it a word or even a sentence, it allows me to move through that day with that in mind and make decisions based from how I want to feel rather than a to-do list or a deadline or, you know, someone else's demand of me. And the, the reflection on how am I feeling right now, that tells me the delta between the two. Mm-hmm. And that will then change what my morning routine looks like, what rituals, what space I create in the day to ensure that that feeling is going to be a predominant feeling. And that brings the intention uh, to the rest of the day. And then just one little shout out to Abraham Hicks. Here, the morning meditation, the 10 minute morning meditation. I listened to that in the shower. Mm, yes, that is so wonderful. I love Abraham Hicks. <laughs> it's so inspiring. And um, yes, I love that idea of not only thinking about what you want to feel like today, but where are you right now? Because sometimes those can almost be worlds apart, or sometimes you're really close. But I think just acknowledging where you are and how you can align with that. I think it really does help you make better decisions throughout the day and, and again, really connect to your purpose and, and get really focused on what it is that you need to do to move forward and not, like you said, get caught up in to-dos or other people's demands. And again, being in that reactive state versus being a little bit more proactive. 
Yeah, it's it's an embodied leadership question. So so often we we ask ourselves what we're thinking. We ask ourselves what we think about something or what someone else thinks about something. I've completely changed my vernacular around it and I'm constantly asking myself how I feel about something and it just just changing that word brings me into my body. Yes. And again, yes, like we were talking about in the beginning, coming back to that that head and heart connection and not yeah. just living from our heads. Yeah. Life hack. Ask yourself how you feel. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been such an amazingly juicy conversation and I can't thank you enough for being here. I think this is just so wonderful and I can't wait to even listen to it again on my own. So thank you so much, Justine. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system.